I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. We'll be looking this morning at uh, verses 8 through 11. If you have not brought a Bible with you this morning, you can use the uh, Pew Bible that's in the Pew Rack in front of you. And our passage is found on page 61 in those uh, Pew Bibles. We are working our way through the uh, uh, Ten Commandments. The first four, as we have seen, all deal specifically with our relationship with God. The first four with God, the the second six specifically with our relationships with other human beings. Uh, The first four, the first one says, you shall have no other gods before me. The commandment two, no images of the one true God. The third commandment, not to take the name of God in vain. And today is about a special day set apart to honor and worship God. That is the Sabbath day. So let's look at Exodus chapter 20. Verses 8 through 11, hear the word of the Lord. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock. Or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And thus far God's holy word. Let's go to him in prayer. Our God, we do... Thank you for this gathering on this, your day. We pray that you would teach us from your word this morning about this fourth commandment. We pray that you would apply it to our lives. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. This fourth commandment, especially in Christian circles, is perhaps the most controversial Of all of the Ten Commandments, and I would say it is perhaps the most neglected in Christian circles. In our culture, I would say we have definitely moved far away from any kind of observance or giving some kind of special. Service or any kind of bow to Sunday, which uh, is a very distinct uh, move, especially in light of my own childhood, just in terms of my own experience. In my own experience, when I was growing up, uh, most things were closed on Sundays, not because I grew up in an especially Christian city or Christian state, uh, but things were simply not open on Sundays, and slowly that changed over time. For a while, you couldn't buy 
Uh, while more stores were open, you couldn't still couldn't buy alcohol on Sundays. I don't know if you still can anywhere, uh, anyhow, uh, these days as well. But things have changed. Culture has changed. Uh, somehow gone hand in hand with uh, Sunday becoming just another day to a certain growth in the vulgarity of culture, I think we've seen over the many years, last 20, 30, 40 years. But of course, the Sabbath is also probably the most debated commandment among Christians. Is it for today? Should it be the first day of the week? Of course, when God instituted the Sabbath day, it was the seventh day of the week. Genesis chapter 2, the Lord rested on the seventh day. So we'll get into those questions as we get into this sermon this morning. This fourth commandment is certainly the longest of the Ten Commandments. And perhaps that should carry some weight right from the very beginning. So look at this commandment. Let's see the implications of the Sabbath. First of all, let's look at the language that begins this commandment. Remember the Sabbath day. Remember the Sabbath day. The first commandment is stated here, or this, uh, this is the, actually, this is the first commandment. This fourth commandment is the first commandment stated in positive terms. The first three commandments were all, you shall not, you shall not, you shall not. Now, this one begins, remember the Sabbath day. Why remember? Well, remember because the Sabbath is already in place. The Sabbath command has already been given. At least we can say this. Uh, this is one of the reasons, I think, why we see remember here. If you remember uh, back in chapter 16, uh, perhaps you've forgotten already, but back in chapter 16, we see God clearly refer to the Sabbath when God gives quail and manna to his people. If you want to look back there very quickly, chapter 16 in verses 22 and following, when God gives the manna to his people, he gave double manna on the sixth day so that the people would not have to go out and gather on the seventh day. The seventh day uh, was to be set apart. In fact, God said to them in verse 23 of chapter 16, this is what the Lord has commanded, tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil, All uh, and all that is left over lay aside to be kept until the morning. Um, so, they were to honor the Sabbath day. And in fact, it goes back even farther than that. Of course, back to Genesis 2, 2 and 3, we read these words, that on the seventh day, God finished his work of creation, 
that he had done. He rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So here we have it at creation. The pattern is established. Six days of work, one day of rest. This is a what we call a creation ordinance. It is not because of the fall. It is a creation ordinance. It means it has lasting significance for God's people. It is for all time. More than that, this is a commandment, like all the other commandments here given to Moses, that will be written in stone. This is a display of its permanence for God's people. The Ten Commandments are God's eternal moral law. As Dr. Currid puts it in, in, in his commentary, its purpose here is to fix it formally into the written code of covenant law. And he goes on to say it was established earlier, but now inscribed in stone. If I can be so bold as to put it this way, keeping the Sabbath day is as important as the commandment, you shall not murder. Of course, the consequences in society are greater for the latter, but it is as important as that commandment. If we're going back several years, many of you may want to ask the question, what would Jesus do? Many of you were around when that question was going around, what would Jesus do? Well, what would Jesus do? Well, we know in Jesus' life, what did he do? He kept the Sabbath. We see that in his life. On the Sabbath day, Jesus went to the, to the synagogue. He kept the Sabbath, as God did at creation, as the apostles and the early church did. They, they kept the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day. More than that, remember not only means remember because it was from the beginning, but remember because we easily forget. We easily forget we need the constant reminder. We need the constant reminder of, of God as Creator, We see here in this commandment in verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. There we see God as creator. But interestingly, we also need the reminder of God as redeemer. Turn with me quickly over to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5, or just listen as I read it, because in Deuteronomy chapter 5, we have a second version of the Ten Commandments, and we see something very interesting. When the Ten Commandments are repeated here in Deuteronomy chapter 5, 
We see in verse 12, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, etc., etc. But then look at verse 15. It says nothing about creation. Look at what it says. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. We keep the Sabbath day to remember both creation and redemption. Redemption. And of course, God's people have what? A greater redemption in the Lord Jesus Christ, which is what led the early church then by God's leading to keep the Lord's Day, Sunday, the first day, first day of the week. That was the day that the early church met, as we see in the New Testament, Acts 27. We won't turn to these, or 1 Corinthians 16.2, or Revelation 1.10. Near the end of the first century, Ignatius, one of the early church fathers, one of the earliest church fathers, wrote this, Christians no longer observe the Sabbath, i.e. seventh day, but direct their lives toward the Lord's day, i.e. the first day on which our life is refreshed by Christ and his death. Remember. The Sabbath day. One last thing about this command to remember. Remember requires being proactive. Proactive. If we remember an anniversary, remember a birthday, what does that mean? It means doing something about it. Doing something about it. And typically it means preparation for it. Man, when you remember your anniversary, it doesn't just mean, oh yeah, today's my anniversary, and off we go. You do something about it. You make dinner reservations, or you buy something, or whatever. You prepare. Remember, the Sabbath day means preparation for the Sabbath day. Preparation. To come before the Lord to celebrate spiritual preparation. Remember the Sabbath day. But he goes on here. The commandment goes on. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. What does it mean now to keep it holy? To keep it holy. We can talk about this both in a A negative and positive sense. A negative and positive sense. The negative, we can begin by looking at the word itself, Sabbath, and its meaning. Literally, the word Sabbath means to cease or to rest. As Lig Duncan puts it, Sabbath, the word Sabbath, is the stop working day. The stop working day. 
That's a good way to think of it. It's what we don't do. That's the negative side. We don't work. Human beings, of course, are created to work. They are created to work. We are created to work. We are, we are called to work. Several years ago, there was an article in Time magazine, that bastion of theological orthodoxy, in which Lance Morrow claimed when God foreclosed on Eden, he condemned Adam and Eve to go to work. From the beginning, the Lord's word said that work was something bad, a punishment, the great stone of mortality and toil laid upon a human spirit that might otherwise soar in the infinite weightless playfulness of grace. That was the curse was going to work. But I think we know better. It was pre-fall. Genesis 2.15, before the fall, the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. The sin was the hardship and the toil of work, the pain of it. We're created to work. Work is a, is a blessing. But what does God do with the Sabbath? God says, one in seven is for me. It's a day of rest. It's a day of worship. And notice here, it's to extend to the entire community. It's not just you work and, 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 and let the others do what they want. Let your, let your workers go. It says here, you shall not do any work or your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, even your livestock, the sojourner who is within your gates, everybody. You are not to make them go to work on this day. It's for everyone in the community. And it is rooted in, in God's rest. It's rooted in God's rest. In other words, it's not pure leisure. It's not do what we want to do. God ceased from creating Yet he continued to, in a sense, rule. He continued to, to do something to his own glory. Jesus, in John chapter 5, healed a lame man on the Sabbath. The Pharisees criticized him for healing this man on the Sabbath. He he healed an, 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 yeah, this, this invalid on the, the Sabbath, and he appeals in support of mercy. And he, he actually says to them, the Father is working and I am working. That is a legitimate work on the Sabbath. As we'll come back to that in just a, a few moments. But God gives six days for our employments. And God says, I'll take one. 
I'll take one. For the worship, for focus on me. On me. The Puritan Thomas Watson in his work on the Ten Commandments writes this. I am not a hard master. I do not grudge thee time to look after thy calling and to get an estate. I have given thee six days to do all thy work in and have taken but one for myself. I have reserved six days, I might have reserved six days for myself and allowed thee but one. But I have given thee six days for the works of thy calling and have taken but one day for my own service. It is just and rational, therefore, that thou should set this day in a special manner apart for my worship. So that's the negative side. Do not work. The positive side is keep it holy. Keep it holy. Set it aside for sacred use, and that is the Lord's use, the Lord's Work. As Matthew Henry writes, the Sabbath was made a day of holy rest so that it might be a day of holy work. Note the language here in verse 10. Verse 10 calls it a Sabbath to the Lord your God. The seventh day is a Sabbath. To the Lord your God. It's his. It's to him. It's for him. It's set apart for him alone. A day of worship for him. To seek him. To reflect on him. A day that is devoted to him. As we saw several weeks ago when we were back in Exodus chapter 16 from when we looked at Isaiah chapter 50, 58, it is to be a, light, a delight. It means we delight in the Lord. And indeed, when we honor the Sabbath day as God calls us to do, it is indeed a delight. The Puritans called it the the market day of the soul, when we do business with God, a holy transaction, when we taste of his goodness, to taste and see that the Lord is, is good. Historically, we have said, our, our, our fathers in the faith have said, this really in, entails three different things. It entails, first and foremost, worship. As we read in Leviticus chapter 23, when, when we, we read a list of the festival days that Israel was to observe, number one is the Sabbath day, Leviticus 23, 3, six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work, it is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling place, a holy convocation, a gathering for worship, not just a day for sleeping. 
Secondly, acts of mercy. This is rooted in their redemption from slavery, as we see in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Again, we see Jesus' example. Jesus did not break the Sabbath in John chapter 5. And other times when Jesus healed on the Sabbath, and there were several, he broke man-made rules. The Pharisees actually, one of their laws was that if a wall fell on someone, they could remove enough stones just to see how badly the man was injured. But then they'd leave him there until the next day. What did Jesus do? He brought out the full intention of the Sabbath. Acts of mercy. And then third, works of necessity. We see this, for instance, when the disciples are, are, are picking heads of grain, getting food as they walk through the, the grain fields because they're, they're hungry, once again criticized by the Pharisees. Works of necessity. We have health professionals who sometimes need to work on the Lord's Day. Policemen sometimes have to work. Some of you and other jobs have to work on the Sabbath day. But be careful. Make sure it's a necessity to work on the Sabbath day. Some of you students, well, I have a test on Monday. Well, make sure that you've used Saturday well before you say you need to work on Sunday. Is it really necessary? We also need to avoid secular endeavors on the Sabbath day. Westminster Shorter Catechism says avoid worldly employments and recreations. Why? It's a sacred day set apart for sacred use. We also need to avoid legalism when it comes to our understanding of the Sabbath day. We need to let people's conscience have their way in this matter. We need to endeavor to keep our focus on God and worship. And brothers and sisters, there is no better way to keep the whole day holy than to end the day in worship. No better way than to end the day in worship. In fact, in Reformed circles, they regularly have kept the evening service because of the value of the Sabbath day. There's no evening worship to return to. It's so easy to move on to other things, other activities, other affairs, and not keep our minds and hearts on the worship of God. And one of the great things for you parents to do as well is to spend some time on Sunday afternoon in family worship with your kids. Third and finally, the gift of the Sabbath. Very briefly, the gift of the Sabbath. Earlier, in an earlier sermon, we 
saw one of the biggest complaints in our society today as people are overworked, overstressed, always tired, need rest, we need refreshment. Surprise, surprise. God knows our needs. God knows our needs. In fact, God knew our needs long before we did. Before, long before, long before we did. He supplied the Sabbath. Will we look a gift horse in the mouth? In Exodus chapter 16, verse 29, God says, I have given you the Sabbath. It's a gift. It's a gift from God. It is made for us. Why? Because we need the rest. More. We need worship. We need a day of it. Why? Because that's how we were created. Created to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Created for worship. That's what scripture teaches us. And we need to devote the Sabbath to the worship of God. We've seen that that God has created us to work. That is absolutely true. But as Phil Riken puts it, God, the Sabbath restores us physically and spiritually. And so what a great gift it is to us. It's a great gift, but it's also a command. God demands our time. God demands our worship. Dr. Robert Rayburn was president of both Covenant Seminary and Covenant College, as well as a pastor before those things. In a chapel address that he once gave at Covenant Seminary, told the story of a man who was approached by a beggar on the street. A beggar asked for money. This man reached into his pocket and he had seven one dollar bills that he, it's all he had, and he took out those seven one dollar bills. He felt sorry for the beggar, so he he took six of the bills and he gave them to the beggar and he said, here you go. The beggar took the sixth with six with one hand and with the other hand he slapped the man across the face and grabbed the seventh as well. What are we to think of a person like that. A scoundrel. An ungrateful worm of a man. Dr. Rayburn goes on to ask, what are we to think of a sinner saved by God's grace who takes seven days for himself and will not honor the one day that God commands we are to keep holy. Let's pray together. Our God, how we thank you for the great gift 
of the Sabbath. How we thank you for your commands, O God, that, yes, are your law that we need to obey, and yet, O God, that are good for us. And so, O God, we pray that you would give us grace, grace to keep your commands, grace to keep your Sabbath day holy. O God, we pray that we would help us, you would help us to grow in your grace day by day. How we thank you, O God, that you are good, and all that you tell us to do is good for us and brings you glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.